0: Is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Don't Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities, yeah, it's where I wanna be your weekend getaway. Got my, my radio on. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Rachel, Bo, and Alley Cat.
1: Be a part of the family. Hey guys, it's the weekend. You know what that means. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. So glad you're along for the ride today. You've got some books to read. <laughs> yes, and notice we didn't say music, we said books today. You'll hear about three books on the show today from some pretty, intriguing, and interesting authors. Albeit, two of these authors are based in music. That's right, and we do have one musical guest for you. So, let's get to those guests. Hang on.
2: The Mulberry Lane show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're gonna have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Up first today, from Nebraska to Hollywood, it's Jojo Siwa. I
3: don't really care about what they
2: Now, JoJo is social media 14-year-old sensation right here from the heartland, originally from Omaha, Nebraska. You saw her on the reality TV series Dance Moms, and now she's a Nickelodeon
1: star. And you may know her as JoJo with the Bobo Well, she's got a brand new book out Now, this is a book all about positivity Encouraging girls to follow their dreams It's called JoJo's Guide to the Sweet Life JoJo will be signing copies of this book At the Bookworm in Omaha on October 9th And I do believe the event is sold out So if you don't have tickets You can meet JoJo right here in a few minutes
2: Who else is on the show, Allie? Okay, well, next up, we have American Idol Season 15 winner, Trent Hartman.
0: Why does any man
4: do anything in the world? Because there's a girl.
2: Now, Trent is taking country music by storm. Trent had a country hit with There's a Girl, and right now he's working on his follow-up album. So you're going to get a slice of life today of what it's like to win American Idol, have a hit, and getting ready to
1: take that next leap. Okay, sisters, what next? Another book, guys. This one will be very helpful if you want something doesn't even matter what that one is this book will teach you how to get it now you got to learn from the master anthony sully sullivan you know him as the pitchman for oxyclean now he's condensed all of his sales experience and turning those no's into yeses into a book called you get what you pitch for now the cool thing about this book is you can use some of these skills to ask for a raise to talk to your kids teacher or coach some really good advice and we're all going to learn together.
2: And yes, you guys are probably going to recognize Anthony's pitchman's voice. Yeah, that's right. Love listening to that. That's actually probably step one. You need the voice. Okay, Ali, bring it home. Okay, well, finally, to wrap it up today, we have author and music industry insider Kent Hartman. Now, Kent's book is Goodnight L.A., the
1: rise and fall of classic rock, the untold story from inside the legendary recording studios. Great stories, and in fact, he shares a few behind-the-scenes stories from Tom Petty, who recently passed away. He talked to a lot of rock and roll superstars from the 70s and 80s and interviewed them for this book, and he guarantees there are stories in this book you have never heard and we believe it. You'll hear from Kent a little bit later in the show and you'll want to get your hands on this book. You said it Rachel it's all rock and roll. Okay, Rachel, well, you had some excitement around your house this week. Yes, as a matter of fact, I did. And now this all revolves around guests we had staying with us. My friend and her husband and son were in from Las Vegas. They were at my house when everything went down in Vegas, so we were happy they were safe with us. But while they were here, I was out running around and they put a pizza in the oven. And evidently the oven caught fire and they freaked out as you would when you're in someone else's house, and they called 911. So then I get a call on my cell phone. I'm running around picking up kids, and it's my friend, and she's like, "Um, just to tell you, I just called 911 because the oven caught on fire. You know, it's kind of going out now. So I told them they didn't have to come, but she said they have to send the fire trucks. And then she was like, "Do you have to turn on the sirens? I don't want to freak out my friend. And they said, "No, it's policy. We have to turn on the sirens. Well, the funny part of the situation was I had just picked up. one kid and I was heading to the elementary school to pick up the other two and I'm at the stoplight while I'm on the phone to her I watch the two fire trucks go by and I'm like oh I see them they're on their way now to your house (laughs) so it was good she gave you the heads up call yes so she took care of it all they came in they checked everything out and she let them go my only regret is I missed the six good-looking firemen walking my house. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Too bad you had to miss that. (laughs) Well, anyway, a big shout-out to the firefighters who respond to everything from oven fires to real tragedies. A heartfelt thanks. Amen to that. Okay, well, guys, we've got a hot
2: show in store for you. Going to be right back and talk about a career on fire. It's dancer, singer, and YouTube sensation Jojo Siwa. You're listening to The Mulberry
1: Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology.
0: Music, celebrities, and everything in between. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane.
1: Well, she's a Nebraska girl taking Hollywood by storm. Jojo Siwa is a fixture on Nickelodeon. She's won Kids' Choice Awards, had a viral hit song, Boomerang, and has millions of social media followers. And you probably know her by her signature bows. Jojo Siwa's latest project is a memoir called Jojo's Guide to the Sweet Life. It's out now and bound to inspire young girls to find courage and confidence to follow their own dreams. And you can meet JoJo at the Bookworm in Omaha on October 9th if you're already lucky enough to have tickets. It is sold out. But you can meet her right here, right now. JoJo
3: Siwa on the show. Strength and courage and bows. Yeah, yeah
1: intro. That was awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Great to have you. Thank you. Good to have you guys. How are you? We're great. Now, Jojo, you have really put a positive image out there for young girls about strength and confidence. And this book really explains the basis for where that comes from in your life. And, you know, girls were asking you for advice. So is that what prompted you to write this book?
3: Yeah. So the book is about my story. And then it's also about like my God, on what you can do. And so for me, it's really important to me
1: to let people know like what I did and then also too what they can do. Okay. Now this book, it has a very fun cover, but you get into a lot of serious things in the book, you know, like supporting other people's success, getting over disappointment, dealing with bullying. So you do address some serious issues.
3: Yes, I do. I most definitely do. I think that bullying is really important to me. For me, it's like, it's not okay what the bully is doing. So I want to make a change in that.
1: Uh-huh. And you have had your share of haters. Can you share a little bit about how you've dealt with that kind of stuff?
3: You know, it's just unbelievable to me how someone can just comment like, you're fat, you're ugly, you're rude, you're bad, I hate you. Like, And when you have someone like me who has 24 plus million followers, you expect it. And so it's, Really unfortunate, but, you know, I've learned that all you got to do is just delete and block.
2: Okay. And was there a time when it made you feel bad and then you had to get over it?
3: I mean, definitely. Like, any time I look at it, I'm always like, oh, I just wish that there wasn't any... But for every one comment that's rude, there's a hundred that are nice.
1: But isn't it crazy, though, because we're going to focus on the one rude comment, even though there are hundreds of positive ones. It
3: is, and that's what I'm trying to switch in the world, is that why look at that one rude comment? Let's look at the 100 positive
1: ones. Right. So you have a very strong family, and your mom has been an inspiration and helped you with your career. So talk about her role in what you do. You know, my mom is a few things. She is,
3: number one, my biggest supporter, always. And then number two, she is, like, the leader. Like, she drives the boat. I'm, like, the director of the boat. She drives the boat, literally.
1: Uh And what advice does she give you? You know, as far as dealing with the pressures, and there's got to be a lot of pressures when you're doing what you're doing and the success you've had, JoJo. So how do you deal with the pressure of the industry?
3: You know, I know you guys know my mom, like, personally. I don't know if your viewers do, but you guys kind of know how my mom is. She really just is kind of the... Why are you going to worry about that? Like, just
1: do your thing type. It's really good to have a person like that around you because, you know, the pressure of the business can really get to you at times. You're very lucky to have her, basically. Thank you. <laughs> if you've just joined us, you're listening to JoJo Siwa, social media superstar, singer, dancer, and media personality, talking about her brand new book, JoJo's Guide to the Sweet Life, here on The Mulberry Lane Show. So now, what does your life look like now? You grew up in Nebraska. You went to school in Nebraska. Now you're living out in California. So it's hard for maybe many people to imagine what a typical day today in your life is like. Can you take us through that?
3: A typical day for me is, like, I wake up, I play with my dog, Bobo, and then, you know, I do a little bit of schoolwork and then I usually make a YouTube video, edit a YouTube video. Okay. What's funny about my life is most kids would wake up, go to school, have the same routine, but for me,
1: I'm literally doing something different yeah, every, every day. single day. Now, do you edit your own videos? Oh, yes, every single one. Okay. All right. And how fast are you at it? Does it take you a long time or are you really good at it by now, I bet?
3: I'm really good at it. It takes me, like, if it's a good video, about an hour. Okay. And are you quick at decision making
2: or do you go back and forth like, oh, should I edit here or edit here?
3: Oh, I'm definitely quick. I know exactly what I want and when I want it. Okay. Now,
1: before you hit post, before you post it, do you ever think, you know, is it good enough? Should I post this? For yeah. every single video, I change, like, my title of my video and my thumbnail, like, 50 times,
3: literally. Okay. <laughs> so then how do you finally make the
1: final decision before you hit post? You know, I kind of just wait until I find the exact one that I want. Okay. okay. So now you've had lots of really fun things happen to you in the last year. You have your doll, you have your lines at Claire's and accessory lines and all that. And, and Walmart, too. And Walmart. So c- can you pick out a highlight so far? Oh, you know, I actually, I
3: think boomerang is like my favorite thing okay. that I've ever done just because it was like the first really like crazy thing that ever happened in my life. And it went platinum, right? It right. just went platinum. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah.
2: Now, Jojo, you were homeschooled most of your life and are still homeschooled. So how do you think that has shaped your foundation and even your outlook on your peers and what you do?
3: You know, I think that it's like honestly just taught me to be an individual. Okay. Mm-hmm. Self-confidence. Yeah. And do you think
2: it maybe helped you to not care as much what people think about you?
3: Definitely. I think that it's like really taught me to just be yourself and you don't have to worry about what the haters say. Okay.
1: Okay. So now before we let you go, there are a lot of young girls out there that have dreams. And whether it's to be, you know, a star volleyball player or an actress or doing what you're doing. What advice do you have for them pursuing their dreams? You know, I would honestly
3: tell them to just be themselves and to be who they are and to follow their dreams. Okay.
2: And I have one final question for you. How much sleep are you getting these days? Is it just crazy? You know, it's actually,
3: it's a little bit less than someone might be getting, but hey, it's all
1: good. You're willing to give up sleep for what you're doing, huh? Definitely. I had a feeling. (laughs) Well, Jojo, thank you for writing such a positive book for young girls. And if you have tickets, you can check her out at The Bookworm on October 9th. And Jojo, we'll have to catch up with you down the road. And tell your mom hi. All right. Bye, guys.
3: Bye-bye.
2: That's JoJo Siwa, the 14-year-old Nickelodeon star and YouTube sensation. Be sure to check out her brand-new book, JoJo's Guide to the Sweet Life. We'll be right back with country singer Trent Harmon, who was also the 15th season winner of American Idol. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. I don't really care
3: about what they say. I'm going to come back like a boomerang.
0: Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show Now, here's Mulberry Lane
1: Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show Brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology Well, he was season 15 American Idol winner And Trent Harmon hasn't looked back His debut single, There's a Girl, was a top 20 country hit And you can get to know this up-and-coming country star, Trent Harmon Welcome, welcome to the show, Trent Harmon all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you with us.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Okay, now first off, talk about the moment you were named American Idol winner. What was going through your head?
4: Now it's time to go to work even more okay. than ever. I had my celebration party. I was I was in the bed by about 2 a.m. that night. Okay, and, uh, so you
1: actually went to bed that night.
4: <laughs> I did, I did. Uh, I didn't sleep a lot, but I went to bed and, uh-huh. and got up and started working, and I, I haven't I had more than a couple of days off since.
1: Okay. Talk about what your life has looked like since that day.
4: You have to go meet people that you hope will play your music.
1: Okay. And
4: they are the programmers of radio stations, and uh, that's what I've been doing for the last year. It dang near takes a full year to meet all of them and shake their hand, do a show for them and have somewhat of a relationship. I mean, you can't be super great friends with everybody,
1: And it It helps when when they they know your story, too.
4: That's right. That's Uh right. And and the only way they can know it is to talk to them, and, you know, you see them somewhere out and about, and you recognize them, and you talk, and it's a relationship. Uh It doesn't happen in a month.
1: You know, that's the side of the business that I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, if you're looking for a career on commercial radio, you know, you do have to meet the program directors, and you do have to form relationships with the people who will play your songs.
4: It's the most important part. Until there's some form of doing it that you bypass the radio portion, right. it doesn't hurt to be good friends with the radio thing.
1: Uhhuh. There had to be just an immense learning curve. So talk about a few of the things that you learned throughout the competition that you have implemented in your career.
4: Really what I picked up on was learning how to correctly warm up, you know, certain nights if you don't have a note, you know, don't try to get it. Okay. Don't blow your voice out It's a marathon You know You've got another show The next night
1: So what do you, you do instead? That? What's your technique?
4: Find another one Okay Find a better one uh, You know Find a different harmony part And sing that as the lead Uh huh um, so you have to have a good ear And a lot of times You don't know You don't have that note Until you're in the middle of the song Right and Exactly you're, uh-huh. <laughs> and you're like Man I'm not going to hit that part In the bridge It's not going to happen So maybe you bring the band down And just sing the bridge Real softly by yourself There's a whole bunch of different things to do, but that's part of being an artist and and having a good ear.
1: Right.
4: Being able to do it on the fly. Being able to do it
1: on the fly, yeah.
4: That's
1: right. Country singer-songwriter Trent Harmon here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Have you dealt with nerves? Did you ever deal with that side of things?
4: I didn't. I didn't. Uh, Maybe I was too dumb to think about all of that. (laughs) Maybe I was callous to it at an Uh early age. Because I did the bar thing. I played in bars. Uh It was just... I wasn't nervous. Okay, so you tell me, lie.
1: what went through your head, like, before you would open your mouth and sing?
4: The only thing I ever thought of was the words. Okay. Because you can mess up a note on a song, and the vast majority of folks are not going to recognize it. That's just the truth.
1: So now, did you focus on the, the words themselves or the meaning of the words, getting the meaning out?
4: Well, I didn't focus on the meaning too much. It wasn't an aspect of performing I'd ever... Been About okay, but I remember the first week I was there. One of the judges says, right after someone had performed the song, what do you think that third line in the second verse of that song? What do you think that the writer was talking about? And whatever performer was that night had no No idea, no answer. So I made sure all week I said, Man, I hope I get asked, I'm gonna have an answer about every line, every single line. Never got it. Now, did that Never change
1: your performance, yeah. thinking that way? Did that change your performance of the song, do you think?
4: Absolutely. Okay. Really what, even though I didn't get asked about uh-huh. the meaning behind any of my songs, it gave you better insight, and I think it made it a little more believable.
1: Sure. I'm sure mm-hmm. it did. Okay, so now you're working in the studio. So talk a little bit about what you're working on and who you're working with and how it's going.
4: I'm getting right with the best songwriters in the whole wide world. I'm going to get to have a few cuts, but I'm going to get writer credit on, and that's kind of a big deal for a new artist. Yeah, you know, to, to get to write some of the material. Uh huh.
1: And what are those sessions like when you are writing with these hot writers in Nashville?
4: It's different. Every one of them is different. When you walk in the room, some folks they want to leave. They want to go get coffee and talk before. Sometimes okay. you walk in and they say, "Hey, just had an idea. it was like a song. Come on, let's go before I forget it." Okay.
1: How do you prepare for the sessions? Well,
4: you're not walking with nothing That doesn't (laughs) doesn't That's not going to
1: cut it Yeah
4: No So maybe it's just a bit hard leg. Maybe it's just one lyric Or a lyric from a song that you love And you say, hey, I've always loved this Let's write something in this vein
1: So anything that you've written That you're particularly excited about at this point?
4: Yeah Um, A song called Her H-E-R Okay Did a couple times uh, Once at the Ryman For the Opry And um, I'm really excited about it
1: and will that be the next single? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And when does that come out?
4: You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay. one one fun part of the record business is timing. And uh-huh. when you're on a label, you don't own the clock.
2: Right.
4: You don't own the watch. Uh, right. So you're, you're, just, you're just there, you know. But um, I would say as long as I'm getting to write, uh-huh. uh, and I'm getting to play music every night.
1: And recording new cool. stuff.
4: It's, yeah. it's a huge advantage to come off of a show like Idol because you have die hard things I mean they buy everything that you put out so they'll be there when it comes out
1: okay well Trent you're gonna have to join us again when the album is out it's great getting to know you better
4: thank you so much have a good day
1: country singer-songwriter Trent Harmon here on the Mulberry Lane Show. When we come back, it's Anthony Sully-Sullivan. He's best
2: known as the spokesman for OxyClean. He's got a new book out called You Get What You Pitch For. Keep it here with us on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology.
0: Why would we drive 600 miles one way? Blow through cash that we ain't made. Get tattoos and wash our trucks.
4: Push and press our love. Why would
0: we've got you covered the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane
1: well perfect pitch in our line of work means you can hear notes exactly as they're supposed to be but to anthony sully sullivan famed pitchman of oxyclean and dozens of other products perfect pitch means the superhuman ability to persuade others and sully is here to give you the secrets of doing just that in his brand new book you get what you pitch for
3: You
2: get what you pitch for, Sully's here to give you more, yeah, yeah.
5: Welcome to the show, Sully. Thanks for having me on. You know, out of all the radio shows I ever do, this is my favorite.
1: We love that. Thank you so much. Awesome. Okay, so now you have learned a lot in your years of pitching products and selling millions. So you've put it all together in this book. You get what you pitch for. So when did things kind of crystallize for you so you could actually figure out what it is that you do and then break it down into the ten what you call pitch powers?
5: Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, I'll be completely transparent. I've had a book in me for a long time, and there's an old saying there. Most people have a book in them, and it should stay in them. Um, <laughs> but it's such an unusual path that I've had in my life, and I didn't go to college. I don't have a degree. I came here when I was 23. I lived in the back of my van. I was broke, and I was homeless pretty much, and I sold mops, and I ended up, you know, getting my own production company, and I used my pitch powers along the way, and I worked with great people like Billy Mays and mm-hmm. Robert Peel. And we've always used our pitch powers for selling product, right? That's what it's really come down to. But I found that, you know, invariably in life, I've been in situations like a lot of people where I want something, right? I want to get a hotel room. You know, you might want to get a raise. You might want to go meet an attractive stranger across the other side of a bar. You might want to renegotiate your credit card debt or get a better deal on it when you're purchasing a car. You want to go in and you want to get a great deal on something. You need the last seat on an airline ticket, and there's you and 10 other people vying for that one seat on the <laughs> so plane. This
1: book is not just for salespeople. It's These are for not every do everyday, it's, situations. It's for everyday situations. Well, but you know, you we're it. probably pitching... All the time, every day, and we're not even aware and of it. And
5: you don't even know it. And a lot of people are deathly afraid. You know, they walk into a room and they have social anxiety and they're, like, nice. afraid to walk up to someone. So what I try to do in the book is just break it down into 10 simple powers. This is a manual. It's a field manual. It's not one of these books that leaves you like, oh, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I nice. really try and break it down to the same way that I approach how am I going to sell millions of mops or millions of tubs of OxyClean. How am I going to go and convince that principal to get my kid into the classes that I want to get my kid into? Or how am I going to convince my coach to get me on the team? You know, sometimes being a good player isn't good enough. You need to be a great team player. You need to look good. You need to be a leader. So how you pitch in life can very much affect the difference between a doors opening and doors closing and great. people saying no and yes. Mm-hmm. So it's been in me, and I sat down with a friend of mine who's a writer called Tim, and he said, This is great, he said, But it's terrible. We need to rewrite it. <laughs> so he helped me rewrite (laughs) in a way that um, is finally finished so I'm so happy it's done did
1: you kind of have the 10 steps had you broken it down that far or did that come with the writing process that came
5: with my writing partner because he said this is fascinating he goes you know no one has really written about this and you can't go to college for it. There isn't a degree. And he would spend a lot of time with me. He would go to dinner with me, and he would watch me interact with the waiter. And he'd say, <laughs> they said, it's a table that's reserved, and you managed to get it. he goes, how do you do it? And I said, well, it's I don't know. And so we sat down, and we really got into it and i i do think it's a skill that that anyone can benefit from
1: right okay so now let's go through just a couple of the steps sure knowing your acceptable outcomes
5: yeah um i feel that you need to know what you want before you go in the room and then if it doesn't give you what you want you know you don't walk out of the room and scuttle out of the room you bounce back with what about this and what about this because you need to have a clear goal of what it is that you want That is the first thing we talk about. Having defined outcomes is important.
1: Yeah. Now, you also talk about, in even what you do, the obsessive preparation.
5: Yeah, I am a preparation maniac. When I go on television with something, there's a steamer that I have, and I actually blindfolded myself. And make sure that I can take it apart and put it together with a blindfold on. Wow. And I remember when I was doing that, some people I was working with thought I'd officially gone crazy. (laughs) But the reason I do it is because when I'm talking to you on camera, I can maintain eye contact and take it apart and put it together without even looking at it. So not only am I maintaining eye contact, I'm also blowing you away, because this is quite a complex key piece of machinery, and you're like, oh my god, you did that without even looking at it. Uh-huh. And that's the difference between preparation and not being prepared. And I think being in the radio business, people think you guys just waltz in and turn the microphones on, right? Right. But you don't. I know you were up until whatever time last night and this morning reading the newspapers, going through everything, preparation, preparation, preparation. The more you prepare, the better equipped you're going to be. When you walk into that room, you're going to be prepared for anything.
1: Yeah. I've never blindfolded myself, though. <laughs>
5: Try it. Try doing your radio show blindfolded.
1: That's a good one. So now you talk about making an entrance. So how do you perfect that?
5: Right. So I, I don't want you to walk in the room and go, hey, Anthony Sullivan here. I'm not talking about that kind of entrance, but what I'm talking about is making an entrance so that people know you're in the room. So just say, let's say it's back to school, and you're going to meet the principal of your kid's new school, and there's 20 or 30 other parents in the room, and you are vying for the attention of the teacher. You're going to walk in the room, You're going to take a quick glance over the room. You're going to have your shoulders back. You're going to look good. You're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to maintain eye contact. You've already prepared because you know who's going to be in the room. So you make sure you look the part. You get there early. You scout the room out. These are all little tiny things. And then when you see the person, you walk right up to them. You introduce yourself. You do a two-handed handshake. You compliment them on something that they're wearing. You talk about something that you know is going to be relevant to them because you've done your work. And before you know it, you're in control of the room because you're taking the game to them. And I find so many situations, people wander in a room. I see them walking around in circles and they have no idea who's in the room, what's going on. And I think it's a key part of getting the outcome and turning the nose into a yes.
1: Okay, Okay. So then what do you do with the voices in your head saying, gosh, you're looking really pushy right now?
5: Tone. You find the pace. I do get into this, into the pushiness because I think there's a line where you don't want to be that pushy person, where you know when to turn it off. So you don't want to be that really annoying person. (laughs) And I know those people. There's a woman I work with who cannot turn it off. Take your moment. And this comes with practice. And Mm -hmm. you'll know if you're being pushy because I think it turns people off.
2: Exactly, yeah. Well, right now you're listening to The Mulberry Lane Show, and we're chatting with Anthony Sully Sullivan. He's the recognizable face of OxyClean and many other products, and he's talking about his brand new book, You Get What You Pitch
5: For.
1: You also talk about the importance of telling stories. If you ever did a sales book
5: or read a sales book, one of the first things you learn in sales is they talk about features and benefits, right? Okay. It has a V8 engine, so it goes fast. It has 22-inch rims, so it looks good. It has tinted windows, so it keeps it cool. That's a fact. But if you can weave a story into something, let me tell you about the time when the 22-inch rims did something, and I met somebody. So I always find that if you can weave a story into something that isn't just so faced in fact, It's a little more interesting. Okay.
1: Now, one of the things I love about the book is it tells you to love your mistakes. And, you know, we're such a perfection-oriented society that you want to sweep your mistakes under the rug. But you say embrace them and love them.
5: I have been on live TV and have products just explode on me. (laughs) You know, literally. Like, I was on the Today Show on Friday and I was unzippered talking to Eva Longora. Um, and I realized it in the middle of the air, like, I had my zippers down, and I'm on TV in front of millions of people. Luckily, nobody noticed, but I'm like, what am I going to do? If I'm gonna, Am I going to blow this? I'm just going to have to own it, right? I'm just going to have to zip up in front of Eva Longora. Um, you know, it happens. It's going to happen. You're going to be sweating bullets. In, and, it, you know, if you're sitting in a job interview and you find yourself getting red with embarrassment or blushing, the person's going to see it. You know, rather than hide it, just own it and say, I'm super embarrassed right now, and I'm flushing, and I'm really, this is what I do when I'm embarrassed, and you're making me feel embarrassed, and I'm sorry about that. So I'm just like, own your mistakes. If you fall over and fall into the room, own it. If your skirt's tucked into the back of your panties after you leave the restroom, people are going to see it. You watch a great comedian. They recover from their mistakes. You know, own them. Don't try and paint them out.
1: Okay, Okay. and then finally, you talk about closing. So how do you know when you've done well? And you also talk about trusting the power of the pitch.
5: Right. So this is how I feel about closing. If you've walked in the room, and if you're prepared, and you've taken control to the degree that you need to take control, and if you've told a great story, and you've told that employer why you're going to be so great, and you've already gone through the steps that I outline in the book, by the time you get to the close... They're already on the phone to HR figuring out they're going to hire you. They're blown away. There's no close required. The pitch is required to get you to the end without having to do this big close at the end if you talk to some great lawyers, they'll say closing arguments are really not closing arguments. They're just little reminders. If you haven't done a good job in your pitch, then your close is irrelevant because they're going to say no. It was so funny. Um, during the hurricane, because down here in Tampa, I needed a hotel room, and I'm on the phone like calling every hotel, and I'm pretty good on the phone, and I'm striking out. I can't get a room anywhere. So I drive to the Hilton, and I walk in, and I'm like pitch power number one. I need my acceptable outcome here. I walked up to the clerk at the front desk, and her name was Angelique, and I pitched her. I could see she was like just fried. Told me that the house yes. hadn't been air conditioned, and I had like a ten-minute chat with her. And then by the time I got to ask her for a room, she's handing me a key. You know, yep. and this is a sold-out hotel. I made friends with her. I bought her some OxyClean and her name's Angelique, and she's at the Hilton Cow. And Angelique, I love you. Thanks for hooking me up. But I use my own powers to get myself a hotel room in a sold-out city. Right. So trust me, it works. It works.
4: Yeah. And I'm donating
5: all the proceeds from the sale of my book to uh, Hurricane Relief as well. Every penny that I make from the publisher, I'm just literally stroking it forward. To a hurricane relief.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we always love having you on the show, and this book is so good for anybody. Any last pitch?
5: <laughs> Any last pitch? No, I've already done my work. I don't have to close. One day, I want to come meet you guys in person. I'm coming to Omaha, and I want to come and hang out in the studio and uh, meet you guys in
4: person. So
1: That's we've got a chair it. right here waiting for you. Good okay. deal, ladies. Thanks Thank you entity. so much.
2: That's Anthony Sully Sullivan. He's been the face of some of the world's most successful brands. And you just heard about his new best-selling book, You Get What You Pitch For. Well, thanks for keeping it here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. We'll be right back with Kent Hartman. He's a music industry insider who has a new book. You're going to hear all about it right around the corner.
0: Music arts and lifestyle back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane
1: thanks for keeping it here on the mulberry lane show brought to you by Braddock finnegan dermatology well the book good night la the rise and fall of classic rock the untold story from inside the legendary recording studios by kent hartman takes a look at the golden age of rock and roll from those who were there And if you love to hear some great behind-the-scenes stories from the 70s and 80s rock scene, this book will not disappoint. Now, Kent is here now to share the music, the stories, and, of course, the rock and roll. Welcome, welcome
2: to the show, Kent Hartman.
6: Thank you. I'm not going to sing back to you, though.
1: (laughs) That's all right. That's okay. Just read your book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now, before we get to the book... Why don't you give a little background on you and how this all came about for you?
6: This book, Goodnight, L.A., is really the companion piece. It's the follow-up to my first book, The Wrecking Crew.
1: And that one won some book awards. Yes, it yeah. did,
6: and it was a bestseller and all that stuff. You know, I poured myself into it, as I did with this one. And the difference is, The Wrecking Crew really, it was the AM radio Pop Singles, 1960s Los Angeles book, and Goodnight L.A. is the 1970s and early 80s FM radio vinyl album book. Okay,
1: so now from the first book, you knew that fans loved it, they loved the stories, so that had to help guide you writing this book, I would think.
6: Yes. I mean, I wrote the first one because I loved the stories, and I always just thought, man, why doesn't somebody tell these stories? They're unbelievable. And so I did, and it worked okay. And so I thought, well, I certainly love classic rock up 70s, up through the early 80s or mid-80s, and so I better dig into this, too. And also, I knew a lot of these people because they used to be my clients.
2: So your clients in what capacity?
6: I used to own for a long time a company that did the marketing and also a lot of times the tour merchandising for a lot of well-known bands. Okay.
1: Okay. So now, how did you go about doing this? Did you call managers and set up interviews? Did you interview over the phone, in person? What did the whole research part of this look like?
6: All of it. I had just stacks of interviews. Sometimes I was in person in their home. Sometimes it was on the wow. phone. And sometimes, like you say, I did it through management. Other times I just knew people because I already knew them from the music business. Okay,
1: so now you interviewed Jimmy Buffett, Lindsey Buckingham, Don Felder, and Wilson. When you prepared for these interviews, and also having had the success with the previous book, did you kind of key into what you think fans would be most interested in and kind of work from there?
6: Yes. You know, that's a really good point because I got a lot of feedback from people. It was mostly positive, but sometimes, you know, you get a letter (laughs) from somebody saying, what a crappy book. But anyway, I learned what people love most in learning about these behind-the-scenes stories. And so, yes, I applied that to this book.
1: Okay, Producer Keith Olson and guitarist Wadi Wachtel kind of are the guides through the book. So why did you choose those two, and what do you think telling it that way does for the book?
6: Well, Goodnight L.A. is filled with all these behind-the-scenes stories about Boston and Santana and Chicago and the Eagles and Cleveland Mac and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And I thought, well, I've got all these great, famous acts here and all these untold stories, but I needed somebody that people hadn't heard of in the music business to let us walk in their shoes as more of an unknown person as they went through this.
1: Somewhat of a bridge between the fan and the superstar. Yes. Author Kent Hartman here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now just having lost Tom Petty, you've got to share, you know, a Tom Petty story
6: from the book. Well, there's an entire chapter about Tom Petty, ironically and sadly. I mean, I obviously had no idea he was going to pass away, and he was on tour when I needed to speak to him, but his people were awesome. They steered me to some never-before-heard, rare audio of him talking about all the exact things that I was going to ask him and more, and so I used that material along with the engineer and the producer and other people that worked with him in the studio, usually at Sound City. Um, particularly on Damn the Torpedoes, the okay. big album. Yes. Tom was a really a principled guy, and he stood his ground. And, you know, he wrote that song, I Won't Back Down. Right. Yeah. Well, that was him to a T. Okay. In 79, his smaller record label was absorbed by MCA, but he felt like he was being taken advantage of contractually. And so he refused to go forward till they would renegotiate, and they wouldn't. And so... He filed bankruptcy to get out of his contract, which shocked the record industry because they were worried every other artist would try that. Right, they didn't and want so, that to become a trend, yeah. And then so when he's in their studio cutting Refugee and all those great songs, from Tom and his manager funded the recording of the album himself because he'd been cut off by the label. And so they would take the master tapes, these 24-track tapes, off the Studer machine in the morning when they were done recording, Mm -hmm. and they would put them in the trunk of Tom's assistant's car, and that car would drive off to an unknown location and hide those tapes.
1: (laughs) That's a great But then he ended up taking on MCA and winning,
6: right? Well, he did. That was that case there. And So finally, at the 11th hour, like before the trial happened, MCA caved, and they ended up giving Tom his own imprint within MCA. I think it's called Backstreet Records. But only because he did that, only because Refugee actually became a refugee. Uh huh.
1: Uh-huh. And he wouldn't back down. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other interesting thing in that Tom Petty chapter is just how a shaker could change a song.
6: Yeah. Yeah, Jim Keltner, the famous drummer, came into the studio, and they were working on the song, and he was just watching from the control room, and at the end of the playback, he just said, you know, that song really needs a shaker. It's like the simplest thing you could imagine. I mean, it's like second only to just hitting a triangle or something. Or hand
1: claps or something. Yeah.
6: Yeah. And so... Petty says go for it so Keltner goes out there and adds a shaker and for them it really made the song come alive and made all the difference and added this extra groove element that it didn't have and there you go it was a huge hit. So
1: interesting so now you have all these stories and probably such unbelievable vast amount of information did you struggle on how to put it together how did that work
6: for you? That's interesting you had asked that because Goodnight LA and The Wrecking Crew Before It are incredibly difficult books to put together because there's so many moving parts. And it's like a giant jigsaw puzzle. It was almost like creating a TV series or something where you've got a storyboard with all these little note cards to figure out what goes where and when.
1: So now, of course this book also takes through the demise of rock and roll so you know putting this together I bet you would have kind of an interesting perspective of why everything went south.
6: I liken it to the old expression, "the death by a thousand cuts," and, and in this case, it was like music cuts, like songs. And so, really, it was you know cuts from disco, and it was cuts from punk and new wave, and then on up into the eighties, you get into that power pop era, and then you get to rap, and then you finally have grunge, and that was you know the final cut.
1: Final nail in the coffin. All right. Well, Kent, is there another book in you? Uh, yeah. Do, do you know what that one is yet?
6: Um, I do, but my publisher said that I must never tell you (laughs) (laughs) until it comes out.
1: Okay, when that comes out, you'll have to come back and we'll visit about the next one. Okay. Okay, the book is Goodnight, LA, The Rise and Fall of Classic Rock, The Untold Story from Inside the Legendary Recording Studios by Kent Hartman. Enjoyable conversation and amazing stories in the book.
6: Well, thank you very much.
1: Okay, guys, that was Kent Hartman. Make sure you pick up the book, and when your next book is out, we'll chat again. Who else do we need to thank, Ellie? Well, high fives
2: to American Idol Season 15 winner, Trent Harmon. Thanks for stopping by in those cowboy boots and giving us all a picture of life in the country fast lane.
1: (laughs) Okay, sisters, who else? Guys, remember you get what you pitch for. Now that's the new book by Anthony Sully Sullivan. You know him as famous pitchman for OxyClean. Anthony, thanks for stopping by, sharing your words of wisdom. Now these sisters and our listeners will be able to sell just about anything we're all dangerous now guys that's right okay one more guest
2: to thank take it Allie okay well we're going to wrap this show up with a giant sparkly bow (laughs) the only way to do it we're going to thank Jojo Siwa for stopping by Jojo is the 14 year old originally from Nebraska and she has a new book just released Jojo's Guide to the Sweet Life Jojo, keep up that anti-bullying message and your positive image for girls.
1: Yep, from Nebraska to Hollywood, gotta love it. Go Jojo. Okay, guys, well, your usually, mostly music show had three books today. And some of those books are about music, though. You've got some things to add to your reading list. And it's time to turn that page
2: because we're going to meet you here next weekend. Same time, same place, same sisters, and you. Well said, Allie. Both. Stay happy and stay blessed. Allie. Don't forget to be awesome. Rachel.
1: That's a wrap. Woo!